Just like most episodes, this one contains strong language. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and guests and in no way represent the state of Oklahoma, the Oklahoma Historical Society, or the Oklahoma State Historic Preservation Office. Welcome to the Musings of an ADD Mind podcast. This is your host, Jack, and I have the ADD Mind. So it's summertime, everybody, and you know that that means we just talk about pop culture stuff, music, movies, TV shows, that type of stuff, because it's the most important things in this world. There's nothing more serious going on right now than talking about pop culture. But today, we are going to talk about something that, as a child, has shaped one of the things that shaped my love of sci-fi and long format storytelling. And that is the the Japanese television show that is in the United States is called Star Blazers. And in Japan is Space Battle Cruiser Yamato. It came out, I believe, and if I remember correctly, in 1976-ish. So it actually is older than Star Wars. But when Star Wars came out, everybody wanted space properties and then they redubbed it into the U.S. And that's how uh, it became popular here. But today I have somebody who, like myself, is a huge Star Blazers fan, um, enough so that we are on a Facebook group that is for only Star Blazers. And um, that's how we met, uh, is through that group. So today my guest is Fred. How are you doing today, Fred? Doing quite well. I I appreciate you coming on to talk about um, this important property that most people don't realize is out there and they should because it has uh, impacted a lot of the sci-fi world nowadays and people don't even realize that so um fred why don't you uh quickly tell us uh when you first started watching star blazers and um how it kind of affected uh, your love of sci-fi sure um in 1979 um 1980, when Star Blazers first came on, I was a pretty rabid Star Wars and Star Trek fan. And a friend of mine in high school named Randy um, told me, you got to watch this new show. You got to watch this new show. It's called Star Blazers. So one day I tuned into it, um, not knowing that it was a serialized storyline. And the first episode I sat and watched was the episode where... um, during the Common Empire arc, Sergeant Knox lands on Brumis to um, say goodbye to his friends that are there. And um, it took me about a couple of minutes to realize when he goes to his friend's grave and pours the um, sake or spring water over their graves, his friends are dead. And I thought, this is an interesting series. It's a little dark and everything, not the sort of thing you usually see with the kids series. I've got to watch more of this. So I watched the rest of the Common Empire arc, and then um, the local station that was um, airing it made it easier to watch because they changed the slot from 2.30 p.m. to 3.30 p.m., which means like millions of other American kids. I was able to run home from high school and sit and um, get my Star Blazers fix, and um so then 
I um, embarked with this crew on the trip to Iskandar, realizing um, that this was the initial series and was um, stunned near the last episode thinking, oh no, they're not going to kill his girlfriend Nova off. They're not going to kill her off. They're not going to kill her off. Uh, I was very relieved when she came out of her coma and um, understood, of course, what was going on when Captain Avatar died. And shortly after that, my friend Randy was um, beginning to work on a fanfic. There was the first fanfic I'd ever seen related to Star Blazers. I read over his. I liked it, but I thought I could do a better job. So I began writing my own. This was in 1980, 1981. You could say I've still been working on that fanfic ever since, expanding <laughs> on it and um, adding things to it and um, widening its scope. And it's kind of crazy, but I'm having a lot of fun doing it. Hey, as long as you're having fun, that's that's the important thing. And the fact that you're still writing it all of these years later is pretty impressive to me. Mm -hmm, thank you. <laughs> so um, real quick, though, before we move on, I am going to play the Star Blazers theme song, because one of the things that has always sort of fascinated me about um, Star Blazers, which at the time was marketed as a children's cartoon, is it had this theme song that really is probably a little more advanced than most cartoons would have. Mm -hmm. The amazing thing about it is the music in the background is the exact same on the Japanese versions of, uh -huh. of the show. So I would assume that uh, the lyrics are probably a pretty close translation of what it would be in Japan. I've never gone to figure that out, but I would just assume that it's probably... They're a very close approximation, actually. I do have a translation of what the lyrics are, and they're pretty close to the first um, series lyrics. Okay. All right. Well, that's the uh, the version of the theme song I'm playing is series one. And uh, just listening to audience, enjoy the next one minute and 15 seconds. I didn't do the, the longer version of it, but um, here goes. <laughs> Distant star heading off to Iskandar, leaving all we love behind. Who knows what dangers we'll find? We must be strong and brave. Our home we've got to save. If we don't, in just one year, Mother Earth will disappear. I <laughs> with the gamelons, we won't stop until we won, then we'll return. And when we arrive, We'll survive with our star blazers. All right. The the thing that I've always liked about the, the theme song is that it's 
it's a complete recap of the whole point of the series without having mm -hmm. to do a previously on because the theme song covers the previous previously on aspect of a, a long format story like star blazers mm -hmm. so um if you've never if you don't know what star blazers is though i do quickly need to uh, sort of point this out um the gamelons mentioned in the theme song are apparently giant jerks they don't like the nice beautiful lush earth and they've been launching asteroids at it and of course it's destroyed the surface everybody's living in underground cities but there's radiation from all of the asteroids hitting the earth and it's slowly seeping down and eventually the cities will become the underground cities will also become uninhabitable and uh there are some space battles, but Earth keeps getting our butt kicked. And then we get a, a spaceship that crashes on Mars that has some info that can create uh, technology or that we can use to create or have technology that will basically have warp engines. And then what is perhaps the most amazing weapon outside of a lightsaber in science fiction, the wave motion wave gun. Motion gun. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so... I, at the same time, love this premise, but at the same time, I also get that it's somewhat ridiculous. They took the wreckage of the Yamato at the bottom of the Pacific Ocean and turned it into a spaceship with this new technology. And then that's what they use to travel all of this way to Iskandar to get the technology to fix the Earth. <laughs> so that is it in a nutshell. Anything you want to add in the uh, nutshell version of the show real quick? Ah, uh, yes. Well... The Yamato looks both, how shall I put it, ridiculous and cool at the same time. Yes. <laughs> Interestingly ridiculous in that um, we have a space battleship who looks that looks almost exactly like this flagship of the Japanese Empire that was sunk over 200 years beforehand, but cool in that they um, did a really nice, really, really nice job with designing this craft. And let me get up, and I'm going to walk across the room, and um, we have an overview of a model of the ship. I hope you can see that. Uh, well, it's this is just going to be audio, so uh, no one will get to see the beauty of the ship, but I'll try to include a link when I do the uh, in the show notes for everybody. All right. Yeah, I have I have a face made for radio. Not, mm -hmm. not TV. <laughs> See, I have a mug made for radio too. <laughs> well, then you're in good company. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, um, the cool thing about that is, is in later seasons, the Earth forces now have more than just the one ship that was the. Um, well, in the American version, it was not called the Yamato; it was the Argo. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm, I would assume that they felt in 1970s it was still just a, a little too close to World War II to have the ship named after the Yamato. Um, but I have always contended that most people in America wouldn't have had any idea what the actual Yamato was. <laughs> I remember I had to look it up, and then I freaked out when I got a picture of the Yamato um, in a reference book. And I thought, Ooh, she looks just like, she looked just like that. Cool. Yeah. 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 Um, but the way the, sh uh, the Yamato and then the ship of the slash Argo 
um, looked was incorporated into uh, the designs of future Earth Force spaceships. But then, of course, instead of looking like a you know World War II era battleship, they actually looked more like space cruisers, you know, and spaceships. They all had that wave motion gun in the front. Mm-hmm. So, um, is there? Well, just real quick, why don't you go in to talk about maybe because there are the three series, but the third one, the Buller Wars, didn't air in the U.S. It was not ever translated. But I'm assuming that you've seen it. Um, yes, I um, have seen it, and it aired in only a very few markets. And then later on, it um, did come out on DVD. So I have a whole DVD run of um, that series, as well as the first series and the second series. Did it have the same voice actors in it? No. Okay, that had to have been kind of weird. It was. It was, how should I put it, rather off-putting. Yeah, yeah. And um, for my American friends listening, which is 100% of my audience, uh, (laughs) I was just going somewhere and my mind just completely shut off. How did that happen? Um, (laughs) So, uh, okay, I remember now. Sorry. Thank God for editing. So in the um, in Japan, though, Star Blazers is pretty much a cultural phenomenon. There were multiple sort of movies made from it, you know, anime movies that were made that took place after the Bowler Wars. Was it 2011 that the live action came out? That's correct. Yes. And since then, they've basically rebooted it from the beginning with new modern animation. And is mm-hmm. it not called... Uh, is it Space Battlecruiser Yamato 2199? Am I it's Space Battleship Yamato 2199, then Space Battleship Yamato 2202, and the latest one that came out was Space Battleship Yamato 2205. And um, 2199 was a very good reboot. It was based upon the original first series arc, the Journey Disc and Darn Back with the Cosmo Cleaner or the Cosmo DNA. Um, the 2202 series was roughly based upon the Common Empire arc, but they changed quite a few things about the um, Common Empire and um, added in some stuff that I honestly thought confused the viewers and didn't think was necessary. And then the latest one, 2205, actually adapted eight episodes the hour and a half um, TV movie special that came out in Japan in 1979 after the original Yamato 2, which was known as Yamato, the new journey. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. See, this is why I was glad that I found that page and that I I put that calling out because while I love star blazers, um, I wasn't ever able to get like the DVDs to see the bowler war. And I I haven't seen some of the newer stuff, so I needed somebody that I was pretty confident knew all of that. So I appreciate you answering my call. No problem. So out of all of the reboots, the original, the movies, even the live action, which one has been your favorite so far? The original um, Common Empire um, arc from 1979. Okay. All right. They haven't equal that how shall i put it they um when they did the battle of saturn in the 2202 reboot they went um 
on a scale that was so large, it was almost ridiculous. I liked um, the way it was done in the original a lot better with the um, Common Empire commander facing off against um, Captain um, or Admiral Gideon and um, Captain Wildstar. It was on a more realistic scale, like a naval battle. Okay. All right. All right. One of my favorite things, though, about Star Blazers is when they uh, picked the names, when they Americanized the, uh, the names, is the names are pretty crazy and outlandish. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I, I've never met anyone with the last name of Wildstar or Venture no. uh-huh. or the last name of Avatar. Right. But for that show, it works perfectly. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I... I just love sort of how they have these kind of crazy names. I, I appreciate that. And then just, I don't know, there's just so much about the series that has led to my love of long format storytelling. And that was my first introduction to, to that type of, you know, storytelling before that time, everything I'd seen. And even most of that afterwards, everything was a standalone episode. And mm-hmm. Star Blazers was no, we're telling the story that's going to take, you know, 25 episodes to tell. And if and you come in in the middle of your host, grow and change during that time. Yeah. Yeah. And there was so much, you're right. There was character development and it was, you can definitely tell that in Japan, they don't view kids quite like we do here based on the storytelling of Star Blazers, which I understand in Japan, anime is also geared towards adults. Mm -hmm. But they don't treat children kind of like idiots. Exactly. I was thinking the same thing, as a matter of fact. Yeah, and so many American cartoon properties, I mean, even to this day, they don't view the kids as being able to comprehend a long-format storytelling art. Right, they talk down to them a lot. Yeah, yeah, and you totally can. And honestly, I think it affects you as an adult because that's the type of storytelling I prefer now. Star Blazers never did that. Yeah, they're just, they don't, they never treated kids like kids. They're like, oh, hey, this is what we're doing. And that's one of the things that I appreciate um, about Star Blazers is that fact. Um, Because at the same time, there was another Japanese property that they brought to the U.S., which is um, Battle of the Planets, mm-hmm. which is known as Gacha Man in Japan, where they're basically kind of space ninjas in a way. <laughs> yes, they're um, they're scientific ninjas. Now, the interesting thing about the original Gacha Man is that all their adventures took place against this terrorist organization known as the Galactic Syndicate on Earth. They never left the planet. While Battle of the Planets changed along, changed around the storyline, made it the invasion of the um, evil planet Spectra, and had this robot they threw in there that was never in the original science ninja team gotcha man, known as Seven Zark Seven, whom they used to explain away the scenes for the kids that um, they thought would be too violent or too scary or right. tell them, don't worry, they evacuated the city when you see this city going up with a mushroom cloud over it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And also he had the uh, 
Seven's Arc Seven had the sort of uh, R2D2 design mm-hmm. about him, which um, IQ9 and Star Blazers also has that same look, but IQ9 predates R2D2. So, exactly. I mean, the original Yamato in Japan came out in 1974, 75. So it definitely predates Star Wars by quite a few years. But, um, Unlike Seven's Arc 7, who was almost like a nanny, um, as you remember, IQ-9 or Analyzer, as he was in the Japanese version of the show, was, how should we put it, a complete smartass. Yes. Yes, he definitely was a smartass. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which, once again, is sort of a trait of R2-D2 as well. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, we don't- we don't know what R2 saying, but based on the responses of C-3PO, we know that they were generally probably pretty sarcastic. Uh-huh. <laughs> but yeah, and then of course, um, he had to hang out with um, Dr. Sane. Who yeah. is, of course, um, in the original Japanese, he was drinking sake most of the time and he was a lush. Yes. <laughs> and I like their workaround for that in the American version is the dude just likes him some water. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. he is very rarely not seen with his bottle of sake. Or spring in the show. water. Right. Or, of mm-hmm. course, in the U.S., his spring water. <laughs> but um, I once again, I always found that sort of funny because it downplays the difference between the U.S. and Japan. Mm-hmm. It, um, so... Um, can you set up um, just, I would just like you to do uh, to do this. Can you sort of set up what it's like watching the wave motion gun fire? Because every time they're getting ready to use the wave motion gun, I was always like, oh my gosh, it's so beautiful. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, well, um, off the top of my head, they switch off all of the power in the Argo. Everything goes dark, and then um, you hear this ominous pulsing noise deep in the ship's engines. And then um, as it grows closer and closer to charging up, it uh, picks up in tempo and speed. While, um, of course, um, Nova, who was the radar officer, is spotting the target and confirming its coordinates. Wildstar, who was the weapons officer, is um, preparing his target scope. And then, you know, it's time for them to go and they all pull on these goggles. And um, the goggles are actually used in um, real bombers. that is nuclear bombers because the flash is so bright it'll blind you if your eyes are not protected. Right. And um, then the engineer gives this um, score of the energy building up. Energy pulse ninety percent. Energy pulse a hundred percent. Energy pulse one hundred and twenty percent. And then there's the countdown. Begin ten second countdown. Wildstar counts down, and then when he reaches zero, he fires his grip that looks like um, a pistol grip, which actually matches the look of a firing grip at a real battleship, because 
I've been aboard the battleship New Jersey here in um, Philadelphia, and they actually have firing groups that look like that inside the turrets. And then um, the wave motion gun, which was charging, and this um, beautiful glow is beginning to build up inside the muzzle, which is inside the bow of the ship. And you saw all those twinkling lights. All of a sudden, all hell breaks loose, and this blast of energy roars out toward the enemy fleet. And then the enemy fleet, or the enemy target, has maybe two seconds to get right with Jesus before they die. <laughs> that is true. That is true. It is um, when the wave motion gun fires. I just always was like, this is just a thing of beauty, and. The destructive nature of it is incredible, and it's almost the ships that they would blow up. It was almost underwhelming for the power of the wave motion gun, because I would assume that it could blow up a, a lot larger target than than spaceships. <laughs> There's something that's very interesting about the reboot is that they actually get in the original Iskandar mission, they blow up. The first thing they blow up with the wave motion gun is something called the floating continent, which is in orbit around Jupiter. That's a artificially placed continent. In the reboot, they state that the floating continent was the size of Australia. Okay. That's so they can blow up a continent the size of Australia. Of Australia. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's that's pretty uh, <laughs> pretty cool to know. Um the one thing, though, because I I went back and I've started watching Star Blazers on YouTube because uh, uh -huh. I knew that I was going to be doing this. I just haven't had enough time to get very far in the series. But one of the things that I watched that just cracked me up was when they did their first uh, jump with the warp field from the wave motion engine. And so they jumped from Earth to Mars. And then when they land at Mars, they were like, we just warped like... 10 light years and it's like no no you did not not at all <laughs> it warped uh, millions of kilometers not millions of light years that was a mix-up in the dialogue yeah yeah and it i would assume that that was probably a mistranslation on our part because i just can't see um with the attention to detail that um the japanese anime producers have that they messed up they would have made a mistake like that mm -hmm. um but well, let's get into this real quick. What did you think of the the uh, the live action remake of of Star Blazers? Okay, it was great in some ways, horrible in other ways. Great, they did a very nice job um, turning Kodai into live action, even though they made him a little older than he right. was in the original series. Um, I was a little disappointed that Yuki was not blonde like Yuki slash Nova usually is, but I took that as, okay, they're using a pretty Japanese actress, so they had to make some allowances. Right. Um, Captain Avatar or Admiral Okta, they got dead on. Same yes. with Sandor or Sanada and the ship they got dead on. Um, what I didn't like was that they never actually, they turned the Gamelons into a hive mind. The Gamelons had characterizations um, all of their own, even though they were the bad guys. As a matter of fact, they had, a, like the Klingons from Star Trek, a sort of code of honor. And right. um, you could see that these people had some kind of reason for destroying Earth, and 
it was revealed late in the end of the first arc that the reason they were blowing apart Earth like that was because their own homeworld was dying and they needed to find a new world very quickly. Right, right. And they lost all their characterization and just made them basically like monsters. Yeah, yeah. They were, especially there at the... Spoiler alert. They're at the end of the last battle when they're actually on uh, the Gamelon homeworld. It was almost like in World War Z where there's like the horde of zombies coming at everybody. And that was sort of, yeah, you're right. They definitely did not do the Gamelons justice. Because when if you watch the Common Empire, you're right. They do have the code of honor like the Klingons. Mm-hmm. And they do eventually, spoiler alert, become allies. <laughs> you know, Exactly. Because they were subjugated under the Common Empire. And so mm-hmm. they end up becoming sort of allies of the Earth. And the live action did not take any of that part into account on how they did the... Absolutely the none. And um, their leader, Deslar, the Japanese, or Deslock, actually ended up being a halfway honorable fellow and um, stayed as a steadfast ally of Earth um, for the future episodes and the future movies. He was their ally in um, the Bolar Wars, for instance. Right, right. And... Correct. Do you know why, like in the versions I'm watching of Star Blazers, the Gamelons are human colored, you know, like normal color. But I always remembered them being blue. But then I've also Mm -hmm. seen other episodes where they are blue. Do you know why there's the discrepancy there? The producer, Yoshinobu Nishizaki, originally wanted to make the Gamelons look um, humanoid, exactly like Terrans. But then after the first couple of episodes were done, he realized that it didn't make them look alien enough. So in, um, I think, episode number 11, they did something where the lighting was weird on Gamelon. And um, they explained away the fact that the Gamelons were blue all along to a trick of the lighting. Okay. (laughs) That's uh, sometimes, I guess... You know, if you got a retcon, you got to <laughs> be creative. So I love that. Yeah, we transfer, we switched from halogen lighting to fluorescent. Now you can see that they're really blue. <laughs> right. They offered a better explanation for why some of the Gamelons were flesh colored in the reboot, though. That um, if you recall Gans and Bane on Pluto, they were always flesh colored. Um, the reboot had it that. Um, these were members of a race subjugated by the Gamelons known as the Zolpsians, and they were considered second-class Gamelons, and their natural skin tone was always flesh-colored, like um, Terran humans. So the Gamelon Empire was pretty much a federation. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah, see, I didn't... I am, I am discovering that I am missing out on so much of the Star Blazers lore, you know, Star Blazers slash Yamato lore, and I've I really kind of spent the last couple of months trying to catch up on some of this. But I wanted to start off by going back at the beginning, watching the original series, and just sort of working my way up to the current reboots and where that has ended. So, you know, there's just some stuff that I love Star Blazers that I just don't know the lore of. 
By yeah. the way, um, when you watch 2202, the reboot, you may want to make a drinking game out of it. Have your favorite alcoholic beverage around and be ready to take a drink every time Yuki gets clonked in the head and loses her memory. That's a um, trope they use too much in 2202, and that's one reason I didn't care for it much. Okay. All right. I I will do that. I, I can mix me some gin and tonics. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like you will. You will not believe, although I will probably need to go and get some more gin, it sounds like, because it sounds like that's a common <laughs> a common thing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's just so crazy how, you know, a series that was really generally bought, brought to the U.S. to sort of be like, oh, hey, we got to have a Star Wars property. Because at the time, everybody wanted a Star Wars-esque property. That's why we have Battlestar Galactica, you know. And then Star Blazers was part of that. Battle of the Planets was another thing that they sort of rebooted to take place in space. Um, can you think of any other from that time that sort of came about because they were looking for a Star Wars-esque property? I haven't seen too much of this. Have you ever heard of something called Force 5? Yes, but I'm not familiar with it. There was a giant robot series they did, which is like amalgamating five giant robot series um, and some of them were fought in space and one of them Vanguard Ace was another one made by one of the producers of um, Star Blazers namely a man who's just passed away um, Leiji Matsumoto yeah yeah I saw that he had just passed away um, although I guess Star Blazers and Star Wars did lead to us having like Voltron and uh, Robotech, I guess, in some regards, because had those not been as successful as they were, we might not have got uh, those other properties. And the one thing about Voltron that people seem to forget is they were actually, everyone always remembers the lion robots. Mm -hmm. But there was also the the version that took place in space where they had the spaceships that formed The vehicle Voltron. team. Nobody remembers that. Yeah. And if you can ever go back and find them, I've always thought, the vehicle version that took place in space was better than the lion version. Mm -hmm. um, I know that we're side questing here a little bit, talking about Voltron. And then um, Robotech is something that's still to this day going on, like Star Blazers. There's been so much Robotech. And did they not just reboot Robotech as well? Yes, they did. Have you seen it at all? Do you care? No, I haven't. You not haven't? Yet. Not yet. And did you, were you a fan of the uh, initial Robotech? Uh, yes, I was. See, I never watched Robotech because when I was uh, I was in high school when it came out and it came on uh, after school was over, but it came on opposite of one of my all time favorite shows. And that was WKRP in Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. and WKRP for me wins almost every time. So <laughs> uh, blame my local television UHF for showing for putting that on opposite of WKRP. Um, once again, I'm side questing here, but <laughs> all of those shows sort of, I think, would not have been brought to the U.S. had Star Blazers not kind of had the success that it had at the time in the U.S. Thoughts? Okay. <laughs> and I would um, agree with you that Star Blazers was pretty much, you'll pardon the pun, the trailblazer for everything else. Yeah. It definitely was. Um, 
Although I would say that Voltron wasn't quite the long story format um, that Star Blazers was, but Robotech definitely was. Mm-hmm. And um, is there any other anime pro- uh, properties that is sort of Star Blazer-esque that you've watched that fans of Star Blazers may want to uh, check out? Yes, this is an odd one. Um it's a series of OVAs that I watched, and there's later been an actual series made out of this known as Area 88. Um, Area 88 is a series which deals with a um, group of um, pilots who have been shanghai and made to fight this war in the Middle East for the country of um, Aslan. And um, the, what reminds me of Star Blazers is the interplay and the character grows between the pilots in here, which is so reminiscent of the um, interplay between the Black Tigers. That's the um, mm-hmm. Argos pilot squadron and um, all these p- characters and their idiosyncrasies. And you really grew up to think, I like these guys. <laughs> it's very similar to how I feel about the crew of the Argo and Star Blazers. Okay. All right. And correct me if I'm wrong. Um, isn't Harlock Space Pirate supposed to be somewhat of a sequel to Star Blazers? Yes, it is. Um, but about 800 years afterwards. Okay. All right. I have watched some of Harlock and I really, really enjoy it. And mm-hmm. regret that I haven't, you know, watched, watched more now that, uh, now that my kids are adults and don't live at home. I should be able to watch the stuff that I want to watch more frequently, but I started this podcast and now I spend almost all of my time on the podcast and not doing the important things in life, like marathoning TV shows. Well, is there anything else that you would, that you would just like to sort of throw out uh, about star blazers on why it's so amazing? (laughs) Yes. It reminded me how shall I put it of, a um, soap opera in space and my mother who normally didn't like stuff like that ended up sneaking episodes with me from another room and then sitting down with me and watching it and she's like this is a really good storyline um why is this a cartoon why isn't this a live action and i told her in japan they do such things as animation um, because of the budget and because it's their tradition to um, do very um, adult animation. And she said that um, in the hands of the right producer, this could be a very good live action series or movie. Yeah. Oh, yes. Your your mom is definitely correct. And I feel that while I, I did like you, I liked the live action and I, you know, there were some flaws with it. The special effects was top notch, but I just don't think that, Star Blazers is necessarily a property made for movies. I I feel no, that it would I be think for that TV. If you're going to make it in live action, you have to make it in long form series, such as like um, it's being done with Stranger Things, which is approaching the end of its run, or Amazon's Ring of Power. It needs to be its own series. Yeah, because there's just too much in it to pack and to say two hours tops for a movie. Or even if you try to plan it as a trilogy, you run the risk of the first movie not hitting with audiences and then you never get to finish the trilogy. Where I think Mm -hmm. at least if you were to do it 
a TV show, maybe on Prime, maybe Netflix, you know, pick which streaming service. I feel like now with special effects being where it is, a live action TV show would have top-notch special effects. And that would be the way to do it. Even if they shortened it to say a 10 episode run instead of 25, Mm -hmm. I just feel like that would get the idea of the story across and the danger um, so much better than just a two hour movie would, or if you were to make a trilogy, you know, six hours of it. Right. I always had the idea they should make like a 13 episode series out of it, but each the episode should say be an hour in length. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. And that way it kind of, um, you know, gets you the advantage of two hours or two episodes of the cartoon in one episode of live action. Mm-hmm. The problem is I just don't know if there are enough fanboys out there, which I consider myself one where a streaming service would want to put in a hundred million dollars <laughs> For one season of oh no that's fine um it would be a pretty hard sell yeah because you would it would you would need a minimum probably say to do 13 episodes you would need at least a hundred million dollars and mm-hmm. that wouldn't include buying the rights for um star blazers the cool thing though is now in terms of shots inside the ship one of the things that would probably save money is they wouldn't have to build full sets. They could use the, um, what is it? The ring that they use for filming the Mandalore and book of Boba Fett and all of those star Wars things that they came out. No, it's called, Uh I think it's called the nest. Anyway, that deal they use, that's this giant sort of screen that, or a recording area that it has all of these screens all throughout it. So they can pre-program sort of the looks of everything. So the actors feel like they're actually in the environment when they're acting and it's not just a green screen. And that would probably uh, make it easier for them to have sets, you know, inside the ship uh-huh. in the cockpit. But yeah, I think that a live action TV show on Netflix or prime would be the way to go. Prime might be the way to go. Cause I think they would have the most money to put into a TV show mm-hmm. uh, versus paramount or whatever um because i felt that like at the end of season one of picard i think that paramount cheaped out on the special effects on the final battle at the end of picard they did unfortunately yeah because you know 400 versions of the same ship was kind of kind of irritating to me but they also did that at the end of rise of skywalker with all the star destroyers coming up just you know 400 of the same special effect over and over so I feel like it needs to be on Prime just because I think that they would do it some justice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, man, it. See, now I'm just gonna have when we get off, I'm gonna have to go keep watching some more Star Blazers. Maybe I won't go <laughs> and start where I did at the beginning. Maybe I will go and watch the 2099 reboot. Um, is there some sort of like anime streaming service that that would be on that you know of? Other than trying to watch it on YouTube? Crunchyroll. Crunchyroll? But you have to buy a membership on it. Okay. All right. All right. All righty. Well, um, I don't know if there's a whole lot. Right. I want to give one last shout out to um, my website. Um, This goes back to how um, 
I said that my fanfic I began in 1981. I'm still working on, still writing. It's um, on a, a large website I created called Visions, the Virtual Fanzine. The web address is http colon backslash backslash visions dot comet followed by a small dash not the dash that's um at the bottom of the line but like the middle dash okay. empire.com and on that website i have my storyline up there as i update it and a number of other fan authors have their storylines up and um, we sort of have taken the idea of trying to fill in some of the holes in Star Blazers. I mean, there's a lot of them that are out there. And also right. to try to let you know what happens to the characters in 10, 20, 30 years time and everything. Some of my stories get a little R-rated, shall we say. But um, Star Blazers, as I always considered, it was more of an adult series than anything else. And... Um, my storyline concentrates on Wildstar Nova and their marriage and um, their kids and how they continue interacting with the um, galaxy and their allies and their enemies as Earth expands outward. Because um, mm -hmm. it sounds interesting and something that um, when I'm at work supposed to be working, I might accidentally somehow read. Um, I'm, I'm just kidding. When I'm at work, I do nothing but work the entire time because I love work. I used to be like that too. Now I'm retired due to my illness, but heck, I go on and on and on. <laughs> I spend every morning in the shower going, I only have eight more years, seven months, and 29 mm -hmm. days until I retire. <laughs> right. Good for you. Yeah, but I get to retire sooner than my wife does, so I'm going to uh -huh. enjoy all of that time alone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm I'm going to go ahead and end the show. I appreciate you coming on, taking time out of your, uh, as we record this, it's a Sunday, taking uh -huh. time out of your Sunday. I appreciate it. It's been fun talking about Star Blazers, and um, I will definitely... Well, I'm going to have someone else on to talk about Star Blazers as well. We're doing a Star Blazers two-parter over the oh, summer. Oh, cool. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> but I appreciate you coming on, and I'm going to go ahead and end the podcast as the way I always do. And if you listen to this podcast, you know that I'm not claiming that this is something that I do on the regular, only occasionally. But everybody, remember, try to live your life in a way that would make Bob Ross proud. Thank you for listening to Musings of an ADD Mind. If you enjoyed this podcast, or even if you didn't, please hit the subscribe or follow button.